Welcome to Open House, the podcast all about having those difficult conversations. Ever had to hash out funeral plans with your terminally ill mum? Or ask if your dad is really your dad? We have, and we want to chat all about it. Join me, Clancy, and me, Mel, as we open up and get into some nitty gritty details. Like therapy, but cheaper. This is Open House. Hello. Hello. Oh, we did it in time. Wow. Didn't know, but you didn't do the swoopy thing. Oh, no. The- Hello, uh, listener. Welcome to our podcast. This is Open House, the podcast about having difficult conversations. All right, Deborah Francis White. Did you oh, know? That is the biggest compliment yeah, anyone know- could ever give me. Did you notice those intonations, though? The podcast okay, about yeah, having difficult conversations. conversations. And the hypocrisy is good. It's good. Never, never mind them. them. Exactly. <laughs> See, Deborah, I- if you're listening, hi. Hi, Deborah. <laughs> I've just been massively complimented. I'm not. I'm not Deborah Francis White, though. I wish I were as formidable a woman as. Oh, she's amazing. She is. Um, right, folks, if you're enjoying the show, I've had a couple of texts from friends this week to say they've been enjoying it, which is so, so lovely. Um, no if, hate mail. No hate mail this week. This week. <laughs> um, if you are enjoying it, please do follow us at Open House Pod. Um, we've got 162 followers, you know. Oh. it's um, We're really having some reach, but it's like, it's a lovely community and also we're posting some fun stuff and it's just updates on... Um, on podcast guests and episodes and stuff. So it's it's a good time over there, guys. It really is. It really is. You should definitely do it. Absolutely. And if you um, have enjoyed the podcast, please do give it five stars and rate, rate review, review and subscribe. subscribe. Because it helps people reach us. We sound like YouTubers. Rate, review and subscribe. We are, but for the ear. YouTube for the ear. Toolbox <laughs> for the ear. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get... Should we get cracking? Let's get cracking. So um, I have been thinking about how like down I've been about the news this week yes it has been a lot so we it's been a lot for a while to be fair in the last few days the government has decided not to extend uh school meals for um children into the summer holidays sorry the winter winter holidays holidays. the half term and the winter holidays um so it's been a bit of a depressing couple of days to see like the lack of humanity in the people I mean, who it's are making decisions. Really, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> is the is the word that I will use. Yeah. So um, today we have um, an MP on our show who uh, did vote to extend yes um, the school meals. Thank you, so um, we are happy to be. Um, part of that constituency yeah part of her constituency and um and um presenting an interview with her on the podcast today um but first before we get on to that chat that mel had with Catherine. oh yeah um, it, was, it was just myself so you get to hear my love i was teaching tones. summer school at the time that's okay that's fine but Sorry. we're gonna have a, we're gonna ha- we have a question that we want to pose to each other before we get on to that a question um, we want to pose. Ah, yes, it's turned into a very formal hashtag BBC3. We have, a, we have a question that we want to pose to uh, each other. Yes, yes, that. So, yeah, I want to know, and I think you want to know from me, mm-hmm. um, when you first became politically engaged, if you would like to tell the listener. Mm, okay. Um, so, obviously, I remember kind of learning about history and politics a little bit in Australia as a kid, and then... Mm. I was quite involved in my student senate um, in Singapore. My student senate was was at school. Um, what is that for 
those oh, that don't know. It's the school council. Right, okay. So I was like, yeah. I was like the we dance. We call it school council over yeah, here. Yeah, so I was like the dance representative from my year and uh, being a representative because, well, it's not because Singapore's so school so small. I'm sure schools in Schooly. England. <laughs> I thought you were going to say No, school. I'm sure that schools in England do this as well, but we had like ministers and stuff come into our school to do like talks. Does that happen here? Or is that just a Singapore thing? Nope. I, I don't... Nope. nope. Okay, so... Yeah, so we had, like... Fancy. Well, I went to... Well, we had, like, the no. Minister of, like, Culture and Arts, like, come into our school, which was... <laughs> yeah, well, because we were the School of the Arts, which was really good because we got oh to ask some questions. And, um... Um... Singapore has... has been, was quite late to, like, invest in culture and the arts, so I tended to, um, be quite, uh, harsh <laughs> on the visiting, um government officials um they were probably like who the fuck is this white girl who has like no democratic right here who's just like i think we should do more dance yeah, yeah literally but all the so time that was a little bit but really um the first time i was properly like politically engaged with the uk government was the eu elections yes i mean sure. that was a big time i think for a lot of people and a lot of people like i think i think that caused stir because we were at drama school together yeah. at the time and i think that caused stir yeah. at the time because we it was we, you could physically see people getting involved and getting engaged and others who perhaps weren't or were perhaps going to vote differently we went to an art school so we have quite a like a liberal circle of friends so a lot of people that we know um voted to remain in the eu i definitely would love to still remain in the eu please um so but i find it interesting because i feel like in our community you have to like come out as a tory and you have to come out as a leave voter yeah like that's a, like i feel like in our it's a very it's a very wild c- time of coming out like i mean people just expect you to the the, the ge- you know the general coming out that's all that you know if you tell someone you're gay people will be like okay cool i knew it all along Thanks, yeah friend. but if you're a tory but you're like, like, wow. like whoa oh my gosh oh my goodness but um no so that was because that was important to me and this is the thing um i was very privileged growing up um my parents um always provided me with everything i needed um so I was never in a position where the policies being made were having a direct impact on my life because I was always lucky enough to be kept in a in a um, lovely lifestyle. I was able to do all my activities. Mm. I always had enough food on the table. So it wasn't like policies that were, you know, being enacted meant the difference between me being able to eat or me not being able to eat. It, like, it wasn't as emergent. Um, and then the EU elections happened and I realised the effect that, you know, it's silly. It's like something <laughs> happens that affects your life and then yeah. that spurs your engagement. Yeah. But like it's I like realised... the time now, I think a lot of people have become more politically engaged because there's a global pandemic and it seems like it's affecting a lot of people. Yeah. It seems like it is obviously disproportionately affecting certain people within that, but it has caused, I think, an awful, from what I can see on social media and platforms that allow you to be political online yeah it's made a lot of people for sure and the the immediate thing i thought was oh i can't travel around the eu as conveniently that was the that was Mm. the first thing that i was like oh Mm. i really don't want that yeah um i didn't like the ideas that um of of hard borders like in both respects like i wanted the opportunity to travel but also i feel like there should be freedom of movement into the UK and I think immigration has for been people. good yep. for, for the UK oh, yes. um, um, and I see the value in immigration and of ho- housing people when you have the facilities too yeah anyway uh, so yeah that was kind of the first real um, I guess like moment of political engagement in my life 
Um, and then it, because so much has been happening and now because of the coronavirus, our lives are so affected by everything the government is doing, um, that engagement has only kind of increased. But another thing that helped, I'm going to do a little shout out to Ryan Heenan. Oh, um, because coffee Ryan. Sorry, coffee Ryan. That's what, <laughs> Ryan, that's what you're known for. Oh uh, yeah, hi Ryan. If you're listening, um, I know you as the person that sits down with coffee in a cafeteria, yeah, so, reads the newspaper with yes, Clancy in so, Stratford. So basically, <laughs> I was doing a show in Stratford-upon-Avon, and uh, one of my housemates in Stratford, Ryan, is super on it with the news. He knows all the MPs and how they voted, and and I was just like incredibly um, admiring of his knowledge and but because we were the only two who would have breakfast in the house <laughs> so we used to sit and watch the news in the morning and we'd have breakfast club um but and it was listening to him talk and listening to his engagement and recognizing that I needed to know more as mm. well that has um yeah had an impact but yeah that's my that's kind of where I stand with politics at the moment but I have to say like I feel like I have to give myself like a healthy dose of the news because if I if I look at it too long and hard and think about the lack of humanity uh, of people who have control over so many people, it makes me really sad. Yeah. So what about you, Melly? When do you remember being really politically engaged for the first time? I don't really remember it being like a, a light bulb thing I think slowly slow uh, I think yeah I think slowly I've become I think I think the thing is that more so I have found my voice and where I am useful within um like encouraging other people to read the things and do the stuff and become engaged and um or have perhaps become more articulate in 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 my in my approach to like talking about politics with my family, for example. But um, no, I think I think I've always been um, empathetic and have always like cared sort of beyond myself. And then that made me um, start questioning like the climate from a very young age and um, like the impact of like the meat and dairy that this is more so what I remember like the impacts of the meat and dairy industry on the like world and on the animals um, and that was very very young um, and yeah and I'm also sort Are of Are you a vegan Mel? <laughs> Back off! Rack off Errol! Rack off! <laughs> um, yes for anyone who cares I'm a vegan um yeah, I, I, I remember watching like, this is so, this is not, this is not politics, but kind of, I don't know. I remember watching Jamie's Chicken Run when I was like 10 or 11. What is that? It was this program basically that a TV chef did um, and it was about chickens in cages for want of a better word. The regulation that the, when, when that regulation went through about like free range and caged right. birds and eggs and that kind of thing. And it was all, it was all in, over the news. And then I saw that there was this show on and it was a TV chef that did it that sort of like looked into actually what's going on when yeah. you don't realize how it gets from um, government regulation to um, 
what's going on in the farms to the supermarket shelves and then consumed by people. Anyway, I saw that and I felt terribly awful for all of the birds. Um, and then um, and then told my mum that I was not going to eat chicken. And then also she was like, no, I'm not cooking many meals. Like my mum like, is like... Many meals, many meals, many meals, many meals, many meals, many meals. Really hard to say. Many meals, many meals. I'm gonna teach that to my kids. Many meals, many meals. I don't have children by having birthed them. I mean, the ones that I teach. You're singing students. My singing students. Many meals, many meals, many. Sorry, you were saying about the many meals. About the many meals. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. And also, I was like, no, we must eat free range. And my mum was also like, where am I getting this money from to do that? So yeah. Um. And then, and then I stopped eating meat much later than that when I could, you know, afford to make my own decisions and it wasn't impacting the rest of my family and my mum having to cook 10,000 things. Um, I don't have that big a family, but you get the gist. Anyway, so yeah, so sort of from then, I think I just started just to care about stuff that was a little bit further away from myself yeah. and a bit further away from my small bubble. Um, I used to hate the news. I used to be scared of Trevor McDonald. I used to have nightmares about Trevor McDonald. Oh my God, I forgot about this. This is great it's podcast It's all material. coming back. Oh my God. So basically, this is this is not on the question at all, but I'm going to tell you all anyway. I've, I'm, I'm sure Trevor McDonald is a lovely person. I have I have no information on this Do person whatsoever. you think we whatsoever. should tweet them? I don't know. I don't know whether... I, I literally have no... I have no clue. But basically... So I think I just associated the news with bad stuff, right? Not much has changed. Um, and I think... Um, and, and, and basically, I still remember the nightmare. I'd have this nightmare and it'd be the, the Big Ben clock and it'd make the chiming noise, you know, and it goes, dung, dung, dung. And Trevor McDonald's face would be in the clock. And then I'd wake up. This is maybe where my insomnia comes from. Who knows? Anyway, and then I'd wake up and I'd, I would have this like recurring nightmare. It was, and I'd, and I'd scream to my mum, this is so bad. And I'd scream to my mum, Tre- I was I was even more northern when I was younger, and I'd be like, "Trevor's in my room." <laughs> my <laughs> I totally forgot about this. Anyway, so that massively put me off the news for ages, and I'd be too scared to like watch the news because, well, I don't know if I was too scared to watch the news because I I hated seeing what was being presented, mm. and I thought that there was I was very young at this point. And I thought that there was so much bad stuff and so much injustice that I couldn't hack it in my tiny body. Too many emotions, probably. Um, or whether it was just this dream of this of this news reporter. Anyway, even like listening to podcasts and, and like I know we've just mentioned Deborah Francis White, but oh, the, Deborah, the guilty feminist, a, a massive, a massive. Um, That's uh, been a real kick up the ass yeah, for me too. Just in terms of the stuff that it it brings forward and, and sheds light on in both a comedic and we all need to do something and we all need to do better and we all need to wake up and it's a very, very, very good at a gear change, they say. And it's true. Um, I think the the way to get people to listen and to get people to care is to not just jump down people's throats, which maybe I had the habit of doing when I was younger because I was just like, I care about all of this stuff so much and everybody needs to care, but you're not going to do that. Um, if you are just, yeah, there are, there are different ways of, of doing things. But yeah. no, I think I think the Guilty Feminist was also a, 
a big place in my finding my voice. And on that note, we're <laughs> going to drop into our conversation with Catherine as she tells us about some of her difficult conversations. Enjoy. Hi everyone, just to let you know, this is the first episode we've recorded remotely over Zoom. So we're still learning where it comes to audio here. Um, it's not as high a quality as we would have liked, but we're getting better all the time and it is still a fantastic conversation. So enjoy. Brilliant. Hello there. Hi, thank you Hello. so much for joining us on Open House. I really, really appreciate it. Um, we'll get cracking, we'll get, we'll get straight into it. Um, so I wanted to ask if you have had any instances of difficult conversations over, over sort of your whole life, really. Um, so if we start with perhaps some, something that you might have encountered a difficult conversation when you were younger, be that in your childhood or your, or your teen years, sort of pre-Catherine West as we know you now. <laughs> yeah. um, I think my experience very kind of early on was um i was quite involved in like church groups and things and i felt often that young men were more considered to be leadership material than young women right. yeah if you were active as a young person as a youth leader as a young woman mm-hmm. it was acceptable for you to be a leader of women but it wasn't considered to be that acceptable to be everyone's leader. Interesting. Um, and so I feel sometimes for young people who are very involved in faith communities, mm. that can be quite tricky because um, many young women are very suited to being perhaps a minister or an imam or a rabbi, mm. but they don't necessarily get that encouragement. So I would say, I would hope, Um, that our faith communities become much more open to the concept of women being leaders of the community. Um, And even now I'm aware of um, only one very strong role model in the Muslim community. And we've got a wonderful woman rabbi as well. Mm. And we have got church leaders who are women, but um, fewer of them. And I feel for a lot of young people who are interested in going into a leadership role, whether that's in politics or public life, that we could be doing much more in communities to promote young women going into those leadership roles, um, whether that is in a faith community or in a school as a head teacher. Mm. And I think it just reflects the fact that women still struggle to get to the top. Yeah. And do you think that sort of conversations are happening in order to to promote the women and the people in question in order to get to those places? Or do you think that those conversations are difficult perhaps because people aren't prepared or the young women aren't being prepared or encouraged? Or do you think it's difficult conversations on the side of the people that are in the sort of positions of power in order to allow for that that, uh, trajectory to happen? Yeah, I think what happens is there are some structural barriers. So, for example, in some faith communities, you know, the the scriptures might say that it should be a man who's in charge. Um, In um, wider community, I think it's cultural. So, for example, in the student um, movement for people who are involved in politics, when you're in university, for example, Mm -hmm. there's many more men. So there's always a bigger pool to choose from. And then you see that my first 
step into politics was in local politics. Right. Okay. And there's always many more men who put themselves forward mm-hmm. for being a local councillor. So mm-hmm. you get a situation where, for example, um, we have mandatory selection of one candidate out of three in a local government ward, which has to be a woman. And the Labour Party, I think, is the only party to have all women shortlists for a third of the local council. Mm. And then in Parliament, if a woman retires Mm. from Parliament, it's very, very, very likely that a woman will replace that person. So, for example, in the last general election in London, we had the correct number of women, Mm. over 50%. um, And also we're getting there with... Um, ethnic minority representation as well but it's all because we're trying to kind of pre-arrange that outcome yeah Um, and I think you do have to positively discriminate for representation yeah so and if you look at the evidence around for example universities in the US yes progressive universities in the US have been doing this since the 1970s Mm. Um, and if you look at a lot of people who are in leadership roles in the US who are either women or black and minority ethnic um, success stories, mm. they often came through a positive discrimination route. Right. Um, um, and it's the same in politics. So all the women councillors, mm. they will have come through a compulsory one of the three labour. This is only labour. Mm-hmm. One of the three has to be a woman. And you have to select them first. So you have a selection just for that one woman's place. And then the other two are open. But what you and I know is because the pool is greater for men, there's so many more of them, often it's one woman and two men. So we end up still on local authorities with a third woman. Some local authorities are different or they have um, just happen to have a bigger pool of women. So sometimes you get more like 50%. But for example in local authorities where you know it's a very interesting role very responsible role to be a council leader mm-hmm. and when i was a council leader in 2010 88% of council leaders in the uk were men wow and that's because in within the group probably two thirds will be men therefore there's that bigger pool so it's all about where you start from um, and the final thing i wanted to say was just about employment in parliament and we're making a big push as Labour MPs towards employing more people who are not from a traditional political background. So more working class um, candidates, more people from um, areas of the country where um, they don't have as much of a voice in Parliament, Mm -hmm. and also black and minority ethnic candidates and women. Mm -hmm. And um, all those four categories what we are seeing is we need to get more people to apply to the websites which have got those jobs on them. Yes. Because if you don't start out with a long list, you can't end up with a short list. Yes. And um, the Mayor of London has also done quite a lot on recruitment, mm-hmm. recruiting through different ways of recruiting. Because mm-hmm. um, some people get all their news on a handheld through texts. Yeah. For I, example, yeah, they I, don't go onto websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that kind of thing. It's how do we try and communicate to people where they're at, not where we would like them to be. Yeah, especially, yeah, especially young people, because that is definitely how, you know, news is, news is received. I think that's so, um, that's a really sort of 
a good analogy of how positive discrimination can be like used really well um and obviously things are definitely changing for the better do you think that there were sort of like those opportunities when you were coming up through your training and yeah. in order to be where you are now in terms of being yeah. as as we said a woman in politics or for other people um who you think at, at your yeah. time would have liked to have i think i got my big break um when i was one of a very small group of opposition councillors yeah. and we'd had a very big election defeat mm -hmm. and there were only 10 of us and there were 38 of the others um, of the running the council and basically um i nobody else wanted it i was very happy to do a job share yeah um but the chap who i wanted to do the job share with he said no 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 you should do it and actually i've had quite a lot of men over the years who have been supportive as well so it's not just about individual men it's yeah. more about a system um and so i gave it a go and then slowly slowly at the next election we gained more seats and then at the next election after um six years we mm -hmm. finally got in um but you know every day of that struggle was massive um and so i think you know we do need to do more in politics but also you need to have a little bit of luck so sometimes it's because at that particular time that you entered there was an opening mm -hmm. um, or that there was an opening and you were the person who basically came through um, and decided to take the opportunity that was there so it's a combination yeah it's, to some degree you make your own luck but I also think in politics there's a lot of luck and timing mm. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, it's a, com a combination of a, of a lot of a lot of different things. Um, so sort of moving, moving on from on from that, um, in recent times, have there been, obviously, I know that there are conversations ongoing with increasing representation and helping to that, like you say, di diversify, but have there been conversations um, even in the past couple of months that you've had that you have found to be um, difficult even now, even though I think people's minds are opening and, and changing and looking for a broader and um, more representative um, sort of politics, if that makes sense. Anything that's been sort of specifically particularly difficult even now in 2020? Um, I feel that these Zoom calls uh, and the general working sort of in a virtual way has positives and negatives. So the positive is if you've got caring responsibilities mm -hmm. or if you have got a disability, mm -hmm. you can be involved now from home mm -hmm. and you're on an equal footing with everybody else who can get to a workplace, be sat at a desk mm -hmm. and be in that role. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it's a kind of more democratic way of working. Mm -hmm. However, on the downside, um, I don't feel as though we're necessarily opening the pool to more people to come in because the way that you do that in politics is you go to lots of events or you go door knocking, canvassing, campaigning. And that's really how you get somewhere. So I think if we have to work virtually for a long time, over time the way that we work will be quite flat and democratic i think through this zoom mm -hmm. but it will keep people 
sort of in a position position of power for a longer time because mm -hmm. it's very difficult to sort of change that power dynamic when you're not having proper meetings or you're not meeting people or being out and about. So um, I really hoping we can go back to what I call normal, um, but that we can keep an element of the Zoom meetings going so that we can have the way that we work being a bit more inclusive, mm -hmm. but that, that people can still become into a leadership position um, and, you know, in a way get to the top of the tree um, without having to feel as though they have to wait forever because um, in a way at the moment we can't really change very much. So we didn't have our elections for the mayor, for example, this year. Um, obviously we're hoping to do that in the spring. Um, but, you know, it's, it just means that we're not meeting as many people. So it's still a little bit recycling the same old people. Mm -hmm. And politics is very much you need to have but always be to be successful, always be open to other people coming in, other mm -hmm. people taking positions and roles and then training themselves up to then become senior in the Labour Party or in a community where they're in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so the benefit is the flexibility, I suppose, of Zoom and virtual. Mm -hmm. The downside is... I think it, it's probably not going to challenge the people who are in positions very easily. Yeah, because they're not sort of coming into contact with, as you say, new sort of person like personalities that sort of specifically when and that when that does happen. Yeah, face to face. that's right. Makes sense. That definitely yeah. Makes sense. Okay, I have two final very quick questions yes. to sort of round everything up. Um, so, and they sort of lead on from each other. So the first one, has there been a specific conversation that you have had throughout your political career, be that something really positive or perhaps a difficult conversation that might have been sort of difficult for either you to broach or them to broach that you think has made a big difference or has kind of maybe... Um, set your career onto a, the trajectory that it's on now yeah. and either be positive or negative with that. So um, when you talk to MPs or councillors or mayors mm. um, or cabinet ministers mm -hmm. they'll all tell you that they didn't just go straight from saying one day out of university I want to be a cabinet minister and get there. There's mm -hmm. lots of ups and downs mm -hmm. in politics and um, I remember that I went for a parliamentary selection in 2007 and wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. And some of the conversations around why I wasn't chosen were really hard to take. Okay. Um, and it would have been easy just to have thrown it all in and said, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. <laughs> um, but then over a six month period, you realise how much you learned. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes in politics, if you lose an election or you lose a parliamentary selection or any of those processes, you, you learn more about yourself um, mm. and it encourages you to communicate in a more clear way. It encourages you to, you know, set out what you believe in more or work harder in a particular area so that you're learning all the time. Um, mm. Whereas it's quite rare for people to just say that they want to study politics at university. They come out, they suddenly become an elected member on a council um, do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot there because also you have to be selected in an area where your party is likely to win to be successful, yes. for example. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of those conversations around my first parliamentary selection that I didn't get, 
mm-hmm. um, were quite hard. Mm-hmm. And I do remember feeling, oh, maybe this is just too difficult. The other thing about being in politics is you have to do a lot where you don't necessarily get paid. And yeah. once again, this does sort of discourage a lot of people who have to work long hours mm. and who may not be very well paid mm. to become involved because they simply cannot take the time off work yeah. to be involved politically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were some periods where, you know, I recognised that because my partner worked, I was able to make things manage. Um, and I think, you know, that's a really big consideration for labour politics because we want to have people who aren't necessarily on a big wage, who live in poorer communities, active and involved. But it is a very, very long journey yeah, to get there. How and that's why I would encourage people who are interested in labour politics to be involved through their trade union because the trade union has programs mm-hmm. for people who want to be representatives um and you can go into programs they're all paid for um it supports people to learn about the lives of people that they want to represent you know and for example you know we i have colleagues in house of commons who um came through either a nursing route or maybe they were lab scientists or maybe they were teachers but most of them have come through the trade union movement because they have programs training programs and they have they support you financially as a woman as well because they're very keen to see more women in politics. Okay. And so that's it. So that's a specific, um, a specific uh, program that is aimed towards, is it just women or are there other, are there other uh, sort of um, other things that are being considered for that particular program? That's right. Yeah. And one conversation I had mm-hmm. where a friend of mine said, mm-hmm. this was a sort of a, the, the nice bit, <laughs> after I after I didn't get the selection, she just wrote me a little note and said, "Get back on the horse." Oh. And it was nice because it sort of was saying, "It's not about you; it's about the fact you have to keep trying." Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it's like the pool idea: you need a big pool to yeah. choose a candidate, mm-hmm. and you need a lot of opportunities to get chosen. So, but that can be quite bruising for your psychology. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, that's so nice. That's such a lovely sentiment. And yeah, especially when, you know, I think especially as, uh, as women or perhaps we'll put minorities in the, in the speech quotes, you know, yeah. that, that level of encouragement is probably useful and might have been the thing that said that, you know, that kept you sort of going into the future so that you could have that's right. the career that is, is sort of now. Um, so finally, just to sort of finish up, um, would, do you think that there would have been um, anything that you would have done differently, i.e. with perhaps that conversation that you had um, in, that, in that situation when you, were, um, when, when you were first sort of coming in into that? Or sort of, yeah, through, throughout your time, would there have been any conversation that took place um, that you might have gone about differently and do you think that that would have made a difference to either where you are now or differently to how that chain of events would have happened um i think one of the advice that i got one of the pieces of advice that i got very early on also was just that 
politics is very important because of the issues that it raises, mm -hmm. but that, um, you know, your own life is even more important. Mm. And I think it's, that was really good advice early on um, because, and it, I really feel this with the lockdown as well, that if you can find ways of looking after your own physical and mental health, then it makes you stronger over the long term. And we're seeing that with, I think, a lot of young people whose normal social development has been arrested because of this terrible bug, mm -hmm. this terrible coronavirus. Um, so normal experiences of going out and having fun and being out and about, all of that has slowed right down. Um, and I think it's been a massive challenge for physical and mental health. And so I would just say that, you know, in terms of physical mental health relationships, keeping positive relationships, yeah. all that sort of thing, it strengthens you over a sort of lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, nobody can really tell you that, but you do learn that through meeting a lot of people in politics. Mm -hmm. um, very high divorce rate in politics, for example. Um, you know, <laughs> and all those sorts of things. And I think, in a way, you do have to be very thoughtful about your own self and how you manage, mm -hmm. how you manage your caring responsibilities, how you manage um, your paid work because often you can't take as much paid work as you'd like. Yeah. Um, and all of those things, it's all sort of a constant sort of calculation as you go along. Mm -hmm. Then you need those lucky breaks I was telling you about, mm -hmm. where you just happen to be the person for the job at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also need your mentors. And I'm involved in a couple of mentoring programs with the Labour Party, Labour Women Leading, mm -hmm. and the Fabian Women's Network. Um, and we also have the Bernie Grant Arts, um, Arts Centre Run program, which is specifically for black and minority ethnic individuals who are interested in politics. Um, and so, you know, it's really good to try and have a go at that to see if politics is for you. Um, so we have a lot of those and, you know, I've done a lot of mentoring in my time and it's really nice now that I've been around a while to have people coming back and saying, will you give me a reference for this or that? And that's always feels really positive because I can see people coming in and they're often people who have given an awful lot to their community. Um, and it's lovely to see them going into positions of responsibility um, as well. That sounds, yeah. that sounds great. And um, it sounds like these, these particular programs are really good for encouraging people to sort of just start and to sort of just... Yeah get involved yes and then you can sort of see see what happens and obviously with brilliant people like yourself that to you know be mentoring I think that I think I that that's sort of what I'm taking from it that it's a really good if, if that's something that you're interested in and even if you don't think that you might be able to be involved becoming a part of one of these programs to sort of just start and get involved especially yeah, with and as soon as you go to them and you see everybody around you you realize there's no magic to this. It's just a lot of hard work. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's a lot of juggling, juggling your caring responsibilities as an individual, mm -hmm. your partners or your relationships, mm -hmm. your um, paid work, um, your community work that you do, whether it's being a school governor, whether it's being involved. We used to have a thing called Shore Start, which was like children's centres. Yes. That had a really good volunteer network in it. And that was really good for women because it meant that you could take the baby with you. Um, and meet other people, meet other parents, um, and you were improving your community while you did it. So, you know, there's all those different opportunities there, mm. um, and those various mentoring programs will link you in 
to volunteering opportunities, community opportunities. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's so much wonderful information. I yeah. honestly can't thank you enough. Thank you so, so much. It's been a good. And pleasure. I hope that this can be useful for your screening and your program that you're doing. Yes. And I wish everybody luck because it is really tough out there. But I think if we all pull together as a community, we can get there in the end. I do too. I think that is a wonderful set of words to end on. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. What a lovely lady. And well done, Mel. Nice interview. Nice phone voice. Thank you so much, Clancy. Yes, yeah, it was a yes. lovely phone Thank voice. Thank you so You've much. Got a great phone yeah. voice. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I had a lovely time. Thank you so much to Catherine for Yes, thank you chat. so much, Catherine. It was great. Make sure you, as we said, Follow us on Instagram at OpenHousePod. And if you did enjoy today's episode, give it a rate, a review, and a subscribe. And share it with your friends. Subscribe, Mel. I've been spending much time time with you. Yeah, share it with your friends or your not friends, people that you like. All the people, please. Like, yeah. Many, 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 This has been Open House with me, Mel Lowe. And me, Clancy Ryan. Music by Glenn Clark. Yeah, um, if anyone wants to call me so they can hear my phone voice. What am I doing? Don't do that. (laughs) Don't. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) We're going to keep this in. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. We're cutting it. No, we're going to keep it in. Okay, fine.